0: This is an archived interview from the On Track and Field podcast. better way to relaunch the On Track and Field podcast now under the Made to Run banner with an interview that I did back in 2012 with the amazing Chris Thompson. Now everyone will know Chris's name from um, his fantastic performance at this year's marathon trials where he won the trials race, he ran a personal best of 2.10.52, about 30 seconds faster than his personal best and secured himself a place at this year's Olympic Games. But Chris has had a career that spanned the last 23 years in terms of running and competing for Great Britain and wearing that Great Britain vest. So to see him go to those trials is fantastic. He just had a child, his first child, uh, earlier on in the week as well before the trials race. Um, and he'll be 40 when he goes into Tokyo to compete in the marathon. Um I spoke to Chris, as I say, back in 2012 now. Um, it was about 2 a.m. in the UK uh, when I recorded this interview with him. He was based over in Oregon at the time. Um, it's, it's wonderful to be able to relaunch this, especially as our, our first one following the great success that Chris has had uh, earlier today. I watched it while I was doing my run on the treadmill and was fi- feeling fired up watching Chris uh, perform um, at that level. Um, you know, He's a fantastic guy and I hope you really enjoy this interview. Our first question, how did you get involved in athletics?
1: Um, the first time I, I ran uh, was at, well, the first time I physically remember running was actually around Crawley Track. Uh, we lived there and my uh, dad, me and my brother went to the load centre and uh, we went out to the track and uh, and we looked at it and thought, oh, that's a long way. And my dad said, oh, I'll see if we can get round it without stopping. And I don't remember if I did manage to get round without stopping, but I do remember getting round the back straight thinking, wow, this is further than I thought. Um, that was my first memory of any sort of running. Uh, and then um, I did the odd run with my dad while he tried to keep the beer belly off uh, when I was quite young. And then um, when I went to secondary school, my PE teacher, Dave Adams, he noticed that me and a couple other lads were half-decent in PE class and suggested we uh, basically took us on a few school uh, uh, races, cross-countries mainly. I can't physically remember my first, first race, to be honest, um, but I remember wearing some pretty um uh like vest and shorts at that time uh, in very cold weather which <laughs> was something to get used to and then um uh and yeah dave allens was very uh he was very good at sort of inspiring myself richard price uh matt smith um to actually continue to run not just at school in p lessons and he uh encouraged us to go to athletics clubs, and that's when me and Matt travelled to Audshot, and Richard went to Crookham, Fleet and Crookham club, which was a bit closer, and that would have been year eight, I think, and year nine, and it wasn't like an instant start uh, every week going, it was a gradual progression, like anything, you sort of get gradually made friends, and um, and it kind of took off from there, but certainly Dave was a huge... uh, reason that I pursued it. Uh, I mean, he was the person that said, look, you're quite good at this, you should you should get into it. Um, and I never thought of it as a, as a career path. Uh, I enjoyed watching it on TV, but I never thought of it as something um, until someone said, you know, you should, it's, you, you, you're not bad at this.
2: All right, then. And um, could you talk us through a week in your training currently? A week in my training? Crikey. Uh
1: um, at the moment, it's not looking like a, a normal training week, to be honest. I'm actually in the process of re- pressing the reset button on my body. Um, obviously, I've had a lot of injuries. Um, it was very, I voiced clearly from, from like 2004 through to, through just constantly through to 2010, I was always struggling with this and that injury, and um, and Then I got going in 2010 and then unfortunately I I actually got a hernia at the end of 2010 which unfortunately didn't present in the way a normal hernia would with normal tests and I slowly over the last two years have been managing a lot of different issues which uh, ultimately came to a head this summer and I uh, unfortunately um, uh, got a pretty bad injury Uh, not long before the Olympics and it was all an accumulation of trying to manage uh, because of this hernia the imbalances that that came with it through obviously once you become unstable in your hips it's just going to have a a ripple effect throughout your body um, with Achilles problems and all kinds of issues I got and and, then we got to the end of this summer and um, I went to start up running again and me, myself, Mark, John Murray, and uh Neil Black and a few of the guys were like I've gotta if I'm gonna have a serious go at Rio I've got to completely reset the body. So currently I'm I'm up at half seven, I'm off to the pool doing uh, aqua jogging, I'm off to the gym to do hour and a half to two hours of of uh, rehab and different different things and ski machines in the afternoon. And that's pretty much my daily routine. Um at the moment, uh, just constant work to get the body, the overall body's picture looking um, strong enough, so that I can, when I do start bringing in the running, and uh, I'm a lot stronger and physically capable of actually uh, being robust enough to do a lot of running. So it's literally every day. So at the moment, it's looking the same. Um, if if I was running, <laughs> I would be doing. A typical week would look something like: a Monday would be uh, an eight to ten mile run with uh, weights uh, or strength and conditioning. Um, after that, uh, which would incorporate hurdle drills, um, and then uh, S and C work uh, in the gym. And then there would be an evening run of a recovery run of around about four to six miles, depending. On the Tuesday, would look like a session in the morning. It uh, would look more fartlek-y, so a 12k, 10 to 12K volume type session, uh, for the repetitions, that is. Uh, and then, obviously, you've got your warm-up, warm-down, and all the other bits in between. And then an evening run again, four to six miles. Wednesday would be the same as a Monday, with a double run, strength and conditioning. Thursday would usually be some sort of tempo. Um, and that would be, depending on the time of the year, but that would be anywhere between a 6- to 10-mile tempo. Sometimes even we'll touch upon a 12-mile tempo, depending on what we're gearing up for, like a half marathon. And again, a secondary run. On the Friday would be just a gentle, maybe 8-mile run in the morning, or it might be a day off, depending on fatigue levels. Saturday would be a form of hills. Um, And again, that would be maybe 20 maybe 20 on average maybe 15 or 25 minutes of hill repetition Uh, but on average around about 20 minutes broken up into various ways of doing it uh, with an evening run and then a long run on the Sunday which um, again could be anywhere between 12 and I might get up to a 16 mile long run but I'm not a fan of the long runs I haven't really got my head around that um so that's generally how uh, a week would break down. Um, obviously, in the summer, it looks slightly different. But we do tend to do a two-week uh, two cycle. So on the second week, we tend to go Tuesday, Friday session. Um, so we go three, Monday, uh, sorry, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and then the next week, Tuesday, Friday, and then a two-week a two cycle that looked a bit like that. Um, so hopefully, hopefully that, that made all make sense.
2: Yeah. Um, your first major international championships was the European Under-23 Championships in 2003, uh, where you won the gold medal in the 5,000 metres with a time of 13.58.62. Can you tell us about that experience for you? Did,
1: did you say uh, that was my first one?
2: Yeah? Was it
1: that? It a... uh-huh. No, no. <laughs> no. It was... Uh, I did... I actually ran the... Uh, my first... Uh, Europeans uh, championship, I ran as an under 20 in Latvia, um, oh crikey, don't ask me where I came, because I cannot remember where I came in that, as an under 20, uh, oh yes, that's right, I came second to last, <laughs> I was second favourite going into the race as a, as an uh, as an under 20, and I completely choked, I was crying when I was warming up. <laughs> And I, I remember doing a stride, and, I, and after the race, I said to myself, I will never, ever get that wound up about a race ever again, and I've, I've never taken myself to that level. And then I, I actually ran the European under twenty two years previously to the one you just mentioned, and I was fifth. I was third going into the home straight, uh, running for a medal, and then the wheels absolutely came off, and I got passed by one lad, and uh the another two lads were coming at me, and a guy called Sam Hockean, uh, a british lad uh was coming up behind me and If it wasn't for him running into the back of me and knocking me over the line, I don't know if I'd have finished the race I was so tired; i absolutely collapsed um so I'd had a few tastes of almost and I actually won a European silver medal in the cross country and across countries and as a as an under twenty but the a track medal and an individual medal was always something that I really wanted and uh myself and Mo had always talked about not only individually meddling but coming one two uh, in a major in a, in a GB vest and we came close a couple of times and obviously we came one and two there and I just picked him on the line ironically but um it was it was uh, it was an incredible feeling because going into that race again, I was fastest in the field, and it was. It, it, I feel like when you're favourite for something, it's you're in a lose lose. You win, people expect you to win. You lose, and people are like, well, what happened there? There. So it's it's not um it's almost a lose lose. And there was uh, going into it, I I you know I felt like an incredible amount of pressure. But when you actually do succeed, it's even though your favourite, it's a, it's a a there is a huge amount of relief, but b it's it's a, it was just an amazing feeling to actually achieve something which you don't know as a under twenty three and under twenty if you're ever going to get a chance as a senior to to stand on a podium and hear the anthem, so you want to make the most of getting it when you can, and and so it was. If I almost felt to a certain extent as much as I was going to carry on running that. I had to make the most of this opportunity, and uh, me and Mo uh, on the on the podium had big smiles on our face. And I knew that Mo was going to have another shot in two years at, at winning. And um, and it was uh, yeah, it was great. The only problem was he didn't manage to do the lap of honour with me. He was he, I tried to drag him around with me, but he was exhausted. But long gone of them days. He's a he's a bit <laughs> beyond that now. He, he can manage his lap of honour now, but. But it was a it was amazing thing. I still can picture standing on the top of the podium uh, and having the national anthem, and it was it was it was a special moment, and uh, I'll 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 never forget it. And uh, hopefully, I can get back up there again at some point as a senior.
2: Sure, you will. Sure, you will, Chris. Yeah. Love to see you. Love to Absolutely. see you there. <laughs> um. So you spent the next several years suffering from various injuries. Um, I myself have been um, out for the last couple of years due to your injuries. Uh, could you tell us how you managed to stay motivated and remain focused through that time to come back strong?
1: It, it's a it's a tough one because um, there's there's obviously no formula one formula, um, and everyone deals with these things in a very different way. For me personally, there's the, the the root of who I am as a person is I, I, I refuse to give up on on anything that I feel passionate about. And there's, as much as are, you know, there's been moments where I, you know, may have felt like this is getting too much for me. There was me step, I, I always know I would never step away from leaving the sport and keep trying to fight, keep back in, keeping the sport, um, Whether that's because there's a deep-rooted belief in myself that I, you know, once I am running, I can achieve things. um, That's, you know, without psychoanalyzing myself too much, is possibly one of the the major reasons. But um, when I had when the the injury problems hit, um, there was never a day where I wasn't trying what everything I could to try and get back. And I, I fortunately had some real great. Uh, physios and medics and coaches around me that have stuck by me and believed in me as as an athlete that not only can I get out the other end of problems I can actually achieve and I think I think that's uh, it's just that blind stubbornness that you won't let something go I mean it doesn't matter what you get out the other end of it to know you've you've come back against all the odds and achieve things. In and, and 2010, when I put a lot of the five years of injuries before that, I, I will always say to people, the harder you work for something, the sweeter it is. And the day at Stanford when I ran 27-29, um, I, I finally put to bed a lot of problems i would had and a lot of setbacks. And when you almost feel like you're getting somewhere, you get knocked back. And to actually achieve it, I, I still stand by this. That one race uh, made it all worth it. I've gone on from then and I've achieved other things. Like I managed to get the European silver medal that year and I ran slightly quicker the next year. But that one race made everything worth it. And I think anyone who's struggling with an injury or struggling should always know that if you overcome it, the pers- personal satisfaction is immense. And the people that you share that with, I remember running down the back straight and seeing Mark, Roland, and we just hugged. It was like, crikey, like, it's happened. You know, I've I've executed the shape I I knew I'd managed to get myself into or we knew we'd managed to get ourselves into. And I think it's that always knowing that if you can come out the other end that it is going to feel that much more special and you're not going to take it for granted. And injuries are part of it. And I've now become especially now it's my routine, it may not be running, but it's my routine is still being a professional athlete and trying to get make the best of my current situation. And I think you become the athlete no matter what your scenario, no matter what your situation, and it's accepting whatever is thrown at you and not Feeling hard done by, no matter no matter what it is, and that's not an easy thing to do. And I think now I've become a little bit automatic in that. But for a long, long time, you know, there was there was periods of of so much frustration, but just coupled with it, re- refusing to give up and knowing that if you can get any kind of momentum, you can achieve more than what you had done. And any athlete should um, uh, fight because. Life in whatever you do is a fight. I'm going a little bit philosophical here, but it, but it is anything you apply it with any any scenario, and you should. Uh, no, I I just don't like to uh um to give up and stuff. And like I say, like right now I'm I'm in a I'm in a fight, but I know that Rio in four years time um, is such a, a fixed motivation for me that I'm going to do it right, starting from since London. Uh, and even if it goes if it messes up I've tried everything I can and that's all you can do
2: yeah that's uh, some great motivational sort of stuff there <laughs> <That's> it. <laughs> So, I've
1: right. been like, a few, few of my friends like every now and again will ring me and just say remind me again why I do this and then <laughs> after minutes they're like yeah alright good I'm going to go run See you in a
2: bit
1: <laughs> ready to go again
2: um in 2010, injuries now out the way, um, you were to have a great year. First, reducing your 10,000 meter time, as you say, to 27:29.61 at the Peyton Jordan Cardinal Invitational in Stanford. Can you tell us how that felt to do that?
1: Uh, yeah, no, it was it was it was incredible because the the uh, in 2009 year before I moved out to. Uh, Oregon with uh, my girlfriend Gemma Simpson and um, at the time I was pretty broken. I had a pretty bad Achilles injury at the time I was nursing and I had no physical base at all and I spent much of 2009 just kind of putting one leg in in front of the other and just getting strong again. In 2010, I went on my first ALSU trip to Albuquerque in January. And uh I actually went out there with having I had well, I'd run terribly in Europeans in December. Uh but it didn't matter. I'd I'd actually been running for a good period of time. And um so we went out there as a team, the Oregon Track Club team, Mark Rowland and, and the guys and uh I put together a really good block of running, uninterrupted and, and my first outstrip and I came down from Aushude in in shape, I I'd, I'd never been in before. It was just it was like a, a new stimulus which my body agreed with. But on on top of that, I'd actually had a, a base. I hadn't run for that length of time consistently in since 2004. And uh, I went and ran a road race, around 2802 uh, in in England, uh, just because I had to fly back because of visa problems. I say visa problems, visa issues, because you can't uh, visa waive, you can only be three months in America. So I had to fly back to come back again. And while I was there, I took in a road race. It was my fifth day down from altitude, and I was I couldn't believe it. I I, I came back to America, and Mark just kept me on a level playing field, and we're like, just, you know, don't get too excited. And, and the next two months, three months, I was just flying and uh and a few of the guys they didn't tell me this at the time, but they just said Tomo is just waiting to go and I and I, I just kept my head down for from February through to May and just just got on with it. And for the two weeks leading up to Stanford I remember going, I can't believe this. I'm like, I'm ready, I'm ready to go and it was a weird I was the only guy on the team that actually went to Stanford that day. Uh, everyone else stayed back and the whole team was watching on the internet which again I didn't realize and uh, when I ran the race I couldn't sleep I could not sleep that night I was like it was like before Christmas after I'd actually pulled out the bag and and Mark uh, Rowling flew across uh, to see it and our assistant coach Mark Rinker had uh, come with me it was just a special thing, and when I got back to Eugene, the whole the whole team were buzzing for me. But they all were just like, we knew that was going to happen. I was like, how? They were like, because you've been flying. Like it was at that point I realised just how good I'd been going before that point, and I'd half joked with Mark um, before the race. I said, oh Mark, I could do with a new pair of trainers. Um, so I wasn't sponsored by Nike, but I obviously the Oregon Track Club by Nike. He said, well, what are you going to? Do for those trainers that I'll break twenty seven thirty. Um, it was just a, lo- it was a giggle. It wasn't even. It was like half serious, and uh, well, it wasn't even half serious. I just thought, I all I had in my head was breaking sub twenty eight. And so when we did it, and um, and even now, like Mark and a few guys would talk about what they were doing at the time and how excited they were for me. It was just so many little bits of that day that just sends shivers down my spine when I think about how how awesome it was and how awesome it was to share because I remember sorry I'm going off on one a bit but it just brings back memories but I remember some friends who were in pont Rameau on the UK Athletics training trip and Lewis said that they watched it in the middle of the night on the internet they watched my race and then George Gandy and the guys had a meeting the next day talking like look you know Grits we can do it we can run these times and it was just so nice that so many people took inspiration from it, and they were happy for me. And John Nuttall and I, we we have been banging our heads like being so close to achieving uh, stuff, and um, yeah, it was, it was special to be able to say we've done it. it. It's happened. It's happened. I've actually got momentum. Like, where can we go from here? But it was just, it was just special. It was just an amazing time, and it was just, it just marked the end or the start of. Getting rid of all the stuff that had happened before, um, but it was just—I'm um, it, 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 struggling to describe it purely because mm. it was that—it was that special. I
2: remember, I remember watching it on. The, I think it was float Track. I watched it on or something like that with me, really? with Dad. So oh. <laughs> yeah. Another
1: Did you watch it live or was it a recap?
2: It was probably probably the next day or something like that. We found we we saw it on there. My dad, my dad, um, he's always on there watching any of the videos from the states and stuff like that. So like,
1: wait, next time. Yeah. <laughs> well, just saying recap. That sounded very American. I think <laughs> I need to watch my, watch myself. Yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was it was it was special. It was, I remember the last lap as well, running I I hit the bell in, twenty six thirty. And I don't, I didn't, I couldn't remember what day Bedford and Foster had run, but I knew it wasn't sub-27th day, And I was just running for my life going, run a 59, run a 59, and you'll definitely go ahead. And I was just like head down, just like, come on, please, squeeze. The last 100 hurt. <laughs> it was an absolute daze when I finished. I was like, I, I vowed I would never run a 10 the track, and I thought, Not only have I done it. But I've run that. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe
2: um, so then, at the Viva British Grand Prix, uh, you reduce your five thousand meter time to thirteen eleven point five one. Yeah. Can you tell us about that race? I'll try and be shorter on this one. <laughs> that
1: was uh, that. That was another one that was uh, a chip off my shoulder, like because thirteen twenty four was my PB for five k since two thousand and four, and that was. Uh, yeah, I I I got I think I'd run twenty six thirteen twenty six the year before. In 2009, and um, I always knew I was running 13:30 or 13:26 and 13:28 off very little training. So I felt like I could run quicker than 13:24, and obviously when I ran my 10k, um, I knew it was, I knew I was able to start looking at trying to break 13:20. And we put together some great training after that point, and then. I went to Font Rameau with the uh, UK athletics team, and I actually did a session with Mo on the weekend before that race. And uh, obviously, with the Europeans coming up and, and everything that was coming up, but we hadn't trained together in ages because of mainly because I'd been injured, but we uh, we just hadn't uh, there hadn't been a point where we were both healthy at the same time. So we actually got to Font Rameau, and it was the first time we were. Let's train together. we haven't done this in ages, and um uh Mark Rowland was still back in uh, the states, but he said to uh Alan, who was working with Mo at the time, he said, "Just keep an eye on them too." I didn't know he'd said that to them, but and John Nutter was there as well, keeping an eye on us, and we proceeded to do i mean Mo's probably gone on to do better stuff, but that is still today my best session i've I've run um ever, and we ran uh, at. In Fontremont at uh, so over six thousand feet, we went on the track and uh, we ran a mile or four laps and we got paced for the first two laps in two oh seven uh, through eight hundred, and then we ended up getting quicker and quicker and running a four. And I can't I don't remember. I think it was a four ten. Uh, it might even have been a four oh eight. In fact, I want to look this up. I apologize. <laughs> I know this is actually on the podcast, but I've got it on now. I wanna know what it was now. I don't wanna I don't wanna misquote myself. I'm gonna start saying I ran four six when I didn't but we ran um... hang on, here it comes. We ran Um no, that's not what it Here we go, we ran a mile in, ah, there you go, 4.08, good job I checked that, I was going to say 4.10, we ran a 4.08 mile, Uh, then we had a lap jog, no, sorry, we had uh, a mile, three minutes recovery, so we did a lap jog, then we did two 800s off 200 jog, and ran 204, 204, and we were really having to hold ourselves back at this point like we, we were both you could tell we were both really like winding up like we could just take off at any point then we had a lap jog and then we ran four 400s off 200 jog and we ran 58, 59, 57, 56 neither of us were fatiguing and we were just in a zone and at that point Alan came in and went Mo, you're doing something slightly different now <laughs> we got the part And I ended up, I went on to run uh, eight 200s of 40 seconds, uh, 29 down to 27. Um, And Mo, I think, carried on, did some 400s. But um, we, uh, obviously, at altitude as well, over 6,000 feet. And it was just one of those sessions where I came away and thought, crikey, that was probably one of my best sessions I've ever done. And it was that weekend, I ran 13.11, Mo ran 13.07. And I just remember being, because we came down from altitude and we were trying out like the uh, one day down, I think it was. When did I come down? I came down. So I came down on the Thursday and I raced on the Saturday. And I remember getting, I remember that my memory of that race was getting into it and thinking all I could remember thinking before the race was surely I'm going to run faster than my PB because I've never trained this well before and so that was my logic like that's how I you know simply in my mind like well I've been training better so surely I'm going to run faster I just remember just being in a really nice rhythm and just clocking clocking off the laps and I got to 3k in 7.53 and at that point I thought right this is on and I started to back off the group a little bit, just to make certain that 4 K didn't ruin me. And then for the final kilometer, I came back at, at guys, and I actually was running down the home straight, and I could see the world cross country champion Abue, just in front of me. And I, I'm going to catch him. And he looked round and he saw, saw this guy coming at him. He thought, no, 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 no. And he started to get it. And I thought, oh, great, <laughs> he's going to Uh But it was just a another. It was just another one of those moments of wow I've just run 13-11 times which you dream of running times which you see guys run and go how do they run that fast and I was doing it and it was um, it was just a great feeling but it was also a crikey when you put the work in and you get the consistency you do get the rewards I almost got a little bit disillusioned with so many injuries that you know how do I run that fast but in reality six weeks of training isn't going to get isn't going to get me a 13-11 13-11 I had to put the work in and so it was nice to be able to do the work and get the rewards back from it and it was uh and that was only what two or three weeks before the Europeans championship, so it was uh, it was just over two and a half weeks from the Europeans and I flew back and to be honest I didn't have much time to dwell on it because obviously the Europeans coming up, it was just kind of a, a moan of yes. I remember hugging John Nutter and going, Damn it and I'd in him, which was nice. And I saw Brendan Foster and I went, I apologise for running faster than him again. <laughs> and then off I went back to Contramon.
2: <laughs> so, it was on to the 2010 European Championships in Barcelona. Uh, with you and fellow teammate Mo Farah, um, finished in 1-2. Can you tell us how you know how that race was and how it felt to get that senior uh, European silver medal?
1: Yeah, it was. it was, again... Uh, it just was a conveyor belt of success and happiness. I didn't want to get off. It was like, can this season, you know, can can this really, uh, is this really happening? Um, but, but in the build-up to that, ironically, and on on the everything had gone so well that year. On the coach, uh, as I got on the coach to go to the track for the 10k, I had my bag on my shoulder and I put my uh, it would have been my well, whichever I can't even remember whichever foot down, and I went to swivel on it to sit down, and my foot got stuck. There was too much friction on the floor, and I twisted my knee. And when usually when you bang something or hurt something, you go give it five seconds and it will die down. And I did that, and I thought, ah, oh, that really hurt my knee. And I sat down. And I thought that'd nah, be nothing. But just give it five seconds and the whole way it throbbed all the way to the track and I thought oh no what have I done and I got to the track and I went over to uh, Neil Black and I said Neil just to warn you I think I may have done something to my knee on, on in the on the coach I said I'm going to act like nothing's wrong but just to let you know just to be aware that something might need to be done I, I have no idea what's gone on here and so I went away and I lay down and I tried to forget about it and I actually spent the next Hour, that was my distraction from from the race, ironically, and I couldn't warm up effectively. I limped the whole way through the warm up. I couldn't do drills. My coach was in the warm up area, and he pulled me out of my warm up because he could see I was struggling. And um, I also had uh, it was also extremely hot as well, which. Also meant you need to cut back your, recover- uh, your warm up. And my girlfriend was in the 800 heats, about uh, well, 40 minutes before my race, so I was still in the warm up area when she was doing her semi final for uh, the 800. I just couldn't watch that either. So there was a lot of stuff going on, and I thought, not now, not. Don't let all this good work go to pot, being distracted by different things and um, and. Uh, Luckily, like, Mark came over to me and just went, Gemma's through, She gave me the thumbs up, and I thought, good, that was one thing ticked, my knee just wouldn't clear up, and I, and I, I finished my warm-up, and the guy that made this go over came over and said, look, you know, just, you know, there's obviously nothing they could do, and I made a pact to myself, I said, right, when I walk out onto that track, when that gun goes, I'm, I, the adrenaline is going to take any pain away and I'm not even going to think about it and so I, again if you you can actually watch me do strides on the track and I'm limping doing strides, I, I watched it and uh, I remember someone said, why are you limping there? I said, because I, I actually had pulled my knee muscle, it turned out and uh, the gun went and as soon as the gun went I didn't feel a thing I just literally had, that was my trigger when that gun goes, I'm not going to feel anything I refuse to let this get in the way and it didn't, I didn't see the thing. And the race itself was tough. Um, it was a nice 5K, and then I made some pretty poor decisions halfway to uh, three-quarters of the way into the race, made some very poor um, energy-sapping decisions, which, uh, ironically, in the end, turned it into a quite exciting race to watch, uh, because then it turned into a real battle for me to hold on to third place. But I literally, one of the things things I do distinctly remember was being two laps to go in the race and remember thinking Ladassam and Mo had a similar gap to what Mo had on me in the European under-23s when I caught him and beat him. I remember thinking, I don't know why, but I just remember thinking, I'm going to catch him. I just had this overwhelming feeling of, I'm going to... I did it in the under 20 degrees I'm going to do it here. And I just remember just gaining momentum, just picking up the pace. And I was in such a hole. I dug myself into such a hole of feeling awful. But I just refused that everything that had gone... The work that had gone in, everything that had happened, I just was like, no, this is... This is not... I am not not meddling today. I have to meddle. And um, I just got momentum, the positivity came, and I got a spring in my step, and I saw them coming back to me, and I forgot all about Daniel, who was sat on my shoulder, I didn't, I didn't even know he was there anymore, and I just started gunning for the, for the guys in front, and when I came round with uh, 100 to go, and I'd passed the Spaniard, I hit the home straight, and I thought, I'm here, I'm here, I'm in, I'm in second, this is it, this is what I wanted, and I tell you, I was squeezing for everything I was worth. I had everything pumping. I had Mark in my ear going, knee knee, uh, knee to shin, shoulders like up, keep yep, hips up, everything. Just everything I could squeeze out myself just to hold myself all the way through the line. And uh, when I'd finished, I wasn't 100% certain I got second until it came up. But it was just an incredible feeling which I'll never, ever forget. And... Uh, to be able to have done it with Mo and I took my time over that lap of honour with him because I was like this this if this is the pinnacle of my career, like you always feel like this might be the this it. I wanted to make the most of it and it was uh with all the British flags that stuck around afterwards as well, it was just incredible to be able to celebrate with what felt like thousands of people sitting in the stadium, all with British flags. And everything that came off that with uh with with the way the week panned out, it was just a special week that you grow up watching athletes win medals at major championships and you think, I want to do that, and I got to do it. And it, it is that amazing, um, and it was just an incredible thing. And uh, and yeah, and then to do the 5K as well, that week as well, uh, I was exhausted. When I got to that final, of the 5K, I was exhausted. I couldn't believe I actually managed to get round. to be honest, but I was so excited. Uh, I wasn't quite strong enough to string together another another silver behind Mo, unfortunately. But it was um, it was a special feeling. And uh, after the race, actually after the ten k, I couldn't. I went down, went to warm down. I couldn't because my knee was. In, I was in agony with my knee. Again, <laughs> I had to walk off back to the medical room. I so said, I can't even walk on this. I had a lot of ice and a lot of TLC to get me back on the five k. But uh, I got there, and I was like nothing's going to stop me enjoying this week but it was it was it was a special special week that was
2: so obviously you you're on the reset now um going forward but you know what are what are your goals going forward Sort of you mentioned 2016 is is it still the 5000 10000 or is it a marathon on the cards or you know what, what are your goals
1: it's definitely marathon that is on the cards i mean it, it's now you know priority currently is pressing the reset button as you say but as far as uh, the big picture Rio is without a doubt has always been on my radar uh, and now obviously with London getting to 2017 is another another little uh, carrot dangled in front to keep going that little bit longer but marathon has always been something that's, that's something I was looking to try and have a go at it's not something that you, until you do it, you don't know how your body's going to cope with it. So as far as if I was to say I will be doing Rio marathon or attempting to make the team through a marathon, I I may struggle as as much as uh, a lot of af- most athletes that, that attempt it. And you know I if it doesn't agree with me, I you know I 10k at, at Rio is is not something I would turn away from either. I mean I will be trying to uh over the next couple of years make an attempt to to run one and train for one i mean i may not even be able to train for it the way i'm going (laughs) but um if i put a block of training which means i can run a marathon see how my body responds to that last six miles of a marathon we'll go from there because i've run enough i'll say run enough i've run a few half marathons i've done a fair bit of long tempos in my training which has given me a kind of a, a, a launch pad into doing the marathon um, training, that is. And, and we'll see where we go. Um, as far as next year, I will be on the track uh, in Moscow, running maybe try and do five and ten. I don't know. It depends how uh, how things go. But certainly, I'll be trying to make the Moscow team. Then, obviously, the year after, you've got the Commonwealth and the Europeans again. And and so I've got to look to see how marathon fits around. Fits around these things and and, and make a plan, but um, to be honest, there's no nothing concrete other than Moscow track next year, and Rio is, you know, it's like I can't. It's a, it's a whole different event, marathon, and I I don't, I don't know how it's going to play out with me. So uh, until I tap into it more, um, I can't say 100% what you know how how it's going to pan out, but I certainly think. Rio, 2017, London are two things that uh, I'm, not, I'm not leaving this for before I, I make a go at them too.
2: And, um, you know, like you say, you've, you've been based out over in, in Oregon for a while, which is sort of the home of uh, distance running over in the States with the, the likes of uh, you know, Steve Prefontaine and, and, and Bill Bauman and, and things like that. Um, mm. You know, what's it like training over there in Oregon? It's, uh,
1: yes, it's, it's, it's been um great. Coming over here is actually being being uh, uh, plugged as uh, Tracktown USA, like signs of uh, <laughs> cropping up with Eugene and then Tracktown USA underneath it, uh, which is uh, which is funny. But um, it's I before I came out of here, I, I loved the pre uh, the pre uh, thing, and I would lo- read his book and I, I really enjoyed it, and it was uh, coming out here and seeing his the rock priest rock. And see, it. and running on these trails pretty much every day uh, was pretty cool. Um, there's a huge amount of enthusiasm for distance running, and well, track and field in general here. They will fill their stadium, Hayward Field, with thousands of people for just about any meet, no matter what it is. Um, and it's knowledgeable, and they they absolutely love it. And um, it was. Uh, it was really great to be able to start training on the track where I had a poster of pre uh, running uh, when he was back in the day, and I'm training on that track and I'm like, "Is this really happening?" <laughs> but it's 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 pretty cool, and I think um, um it's it does you do feel like oddly enough, you're one of the main sports in an area. Um, obviously they love their uh, American football. With the college, which are doing very well at the moment, and a lot of sports, but track and field is a high priority sport, Um, and it's uh, it's it's nice to feel. Celebrity is not the right word, but you're, you know, people massively respect what you're doing, and uh, it's quite nice to um to be to be around that a lot of the time. But it it is pretty cool, and obviously you've got Portland, which is two hours away, which is the Nike or Nike should I say headquarters where Mo in Galen and the other Oregon um, project uh, guys are based and you've got the whole Nike headquarters and Eugene was where the first Nike shoe was ever sold on the on the, uh, on the streets and um, there's a lot of history when it comes to Nike and, as you say, Bowman and, and Pre and stuff and people still... I've, I've actually ended up talking to people how they remember when they were watching Pre run and how much he electrified... Uh, the stadium and how fond memories they have of watching him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, mm-hmm. So it is. It is pretty cool. There's it there's a lot of history and it's um it's nice to be able to train out of here. But it's got I've done it for so long now. It you forget sometimes <laughs> that you're just kind of taking it for granted almost. But it, it is pretty
2: cool though. Yeah. I'm, I'm a massive uh, Steve Fontaine fan of stuff right there, and stuff. Uh, I in- We interviewed uh, Mac Wilkins. Um, He's, uh, he's the he was the discus thrower at the same time as Pre. Uh, he was oh, in I all can... the films and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, and uh, we, we interviewed him and uh, we asked him about Pre and things like his memories of Pre and stuff. So it was, it was quite interesting and stuff like that to, to hear that. And um, he's
1: never far away from someone who had something to to do with him, yeah. doing it, do with his uh, do with his time. There's there's a few people I've spoken to who uh, were very close to him at the time, and it's fascinating hearing. You know, who he was and what he was like and stuff. It, yeah, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool that you managed to get hold of that, Discus throw. Yeah.
2: It's
1: impressive, that.
2: Yeah. Well, he's what? Four time Olympian, no, four time world record holder and Olympic gold medalist. and <laughs> So impressive in uh, his own right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, so. If you had to pick a distance between five thousand and ten thousand, which one would be your uh, your favourite distance?
1: Oh crikey, favourite.
2: Uh,
1: uh, I'd probably say favourite was five k. Um, the reason being is because it's had so much a massive part of my career for so long. Whereas ten k's kind of come into play in the last couple. But if you are asking me what I what I'm more suited to, I'd say ten k. Um, I think. I've got a, I've got potential to run a heck of a lot faster over 10k than I have over 5 in in, in with regards to PB. Um last year I would have um smashed my 10k PB even in 2011 I'd have smashed my uh, I would have I I had I had a lot of issues going into my 27 27 ironically I still don't know how I ran that quick I was just exhausted I was bedridden for like a week to 10 days before that race I was uh, I was not in a good place so um, so uh, I prefer the five but I think I'm more suited to the ten
2: unfortunately and then so away from uh, training and competing what what do you enjoy doing um
1: whatever a a lazy the lazy part of myself and Gemma we we love it we love a good series we're into um, a few different series um, at the moment walking we've got a a walking dead date tonight with a, a couple of friends who are coming over to have a, a dinner and uh walking dead uh um uh, episode catch up so we love we love a good series um we love basically hanging out with friends like we uh we will like the other week we went to um crabbing on the pacific coast just things like that which Making the most of where you are there's so many times you find yourself in parts of the world you're not necessarily going to take advantage of, so we uh try our best to make the most of of the lucky fortunate lifestyle we're in um so yeah, like I say, crabbing come back, cook the crabs, and eat it, and uh killed my first crab, which was an odd experience, <laughs> but it was humane, it was a humane death, but it was um yeah, so things like that um we love and uh, I, I also am a massive uh, I just love sport and so uh, being over here I tend to have to watch and listen to a lot of football either on the radio like my beloved Barrow football team I'm usually listening to them on Cumbria BBC radio just to follow them um, they're actually in the second round of the FA Cup so keep an eye out this weekend mm-hmm. we beat Matfield we're in the draw for the third round again um, so yeah, they, uh, together with trying to be as professional as we can with athletics, we're very passionate people about trying to be athletes, uh, be rounded athletes, and that, that, that's a big part of our passion uh, as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, especially being over here, it's important to us to keep up appearances with our friends back at home. It mean a lot to us, but obviously being here, it's with the timings that it is. Obviously, right now for you, it's pretty late. <laughs> for me, it's like the middle of my day, and I've mm. uh, only just got back from training. So it's you know you have to uh, um, allocate time uh, for that when you're, when you're so far away from home. But but yeah.
2: Um, and we come to our final question now. Uh, you're stranded on a desert island with only an athletics magazine and a pair of training shoes with you. What one other thing would you take?
1: As uh, as boring as it is, <laughs> not that she is boring. I would take my girlfriend because of the fact that um, I love company. Like it's uh, um, for me, first and foremost in in life is is uh, obviously friends and family, and actually having contact with with people. Like uh, I love to experience things with people, so I would. Uh obviously have Gemma for that reason because uh um it's yeah, like I said, I just I like to share things. So a desert a desert island to ourselves would be pretty cool just riding around. Get to walk around naked actually outside rather than in the house all the time. But um <laughs> but yeah. It would be uh how big is the island by the way?
2: Um I don't know, I mean, Chris Akabushi thought it was, a, a you know, big enough for his 4x4, but other people are thinking, you know, cartoon desert island with one palm tree in the centre of it, you know.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd like, yeah, I'd like a... a if it was an island, like, lost, that'd be pretty cool. Like, yeah, have you seen the series lost? That, yeah. I'd like, if I was stranded on an island like that with lots of things to discover, so you've got, like, maybe a monster that you're trying to avoid, <laughs> stuff like that, that would be pretty cool. Like, it would just be... Um, yeah, I'd probably, I might need someone slightly stronger than Gemma though if I did that because <laughs> I'm a bit of a weakie. I need a, I need a stronger guy, but but yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting.
0: But yeah. So what a fantastic way to relaunch this podcast with that fantastic archived interview from 2012 uh, with Chris Thompson there. Um, obviously, you know, we were talking about 5 and 10k distance when Chris was relatively new to the 10k there on the track. Um, And now in 2021, he's booked his place for the Olympic marathon in Tokyo this summer. I I can't wait to to watch him um, in Tokyo. I loved watching him uh, this morning um, while I was doing my run on the treadmill. Uh, Absolutely fantastic. What an inspirational guy. I've met Chris a number of times at races. Um, He's always so down to earth, so happy to have a conversation and talk running and things like that. Um, I wish him the best of luck in Tokyo and his preparations for that. And uh, thanks for listening, guys.